0: Before, our media buyers might be totally siloed from our creators, but really, if the data is what's driving our creative, then our creators need to know what that data is.
1: You need to have those people in the same room, because if they're not all on the same page with the angles or the approaches or the content or what's working and what isn't, what's the view time, Your campaigns just aren't going to work. A strategy businesses could apply is, is putting those people actually in the same team
2: now with data loss it's forcing you to be a lot more tactical whatever your formula is you kind of have to isolate individual variables and put like your marketing hat on and tweak and tweak and tweak and be a mad scientist versus just like throwing an angle into facebook and hoping that angle sticks
3: thousands of people have jump-started their tiktok content strategy using coley's tiktok creative brief template That's because it has all the steps for successful creator collaborations and best practices to create fun and engaging TikToks. If you haven't grabbed your copy yet, don't worry. Kohli just dropped a brand new version of their popular template filled with even more tips and insights to level up your TikTok game. Head to kohlicom slash TikTok. That's C-O-H-L-E-Y.com slash TikTok to download your free copy and start creating TikToks for your brand that people actually wanna watch. It's all killer, no filler. This is the D2C podcast. I'm Eric Dick, and today we are here with some more pilot house luminaries to discuss the approach that we think advertisers should be taking with social traffic in Q4 and beyond, speaking specifically about how. Uh, Creative uh, can be optimized in order to offset some of the data loss that we're seeing on these social marketing platforms. Spencer, I don't know if you want to kick us off. We were talking earlier about, I think I believe it was the golden triangle, which was, we love, we love terms and conditions on on the podcast. What do you mean when you talk about the golden triangle on uh, paid social
4: traffic? So I've been loving talking about the golden triangle for the past little bit and just to like kick it off it pretty much the balance that you have on the creative between the average watch time, the click-through rate, and the conversion rate for that piece of creative. That's a bit of like where we're gonna be getting to. To set it up with like the subject that we're covering today, this is kind of like keeping in mind that there is a lot of data loss. There's there's data loss on any social's platform, everyone's seeing it, and then just like everything that you can do to set up to uh, on the back end in terms of like third-party. Data partners or post-purchase surveys, that all is kind of like, we're going to put that off to the side and then just kind of focus on the data that we can see and like how we can apply that to the creative that we're then requesting. So then it kind of brings us back to, to the Golden Triangle. The Golden Triangle is pretty much our way of looking at the data that we do have, and that can be like pretty viewable for us, whether it be on Meta or on TikTok, a bit of my specialty. And... When you do have those metrics, the average watch time, the click-through rate, and then the conversion rate, obviously that does need a bit of tracking, but that's kind of like... Uh, the small part of the triangle. <laughs> and so
3: basically, just for people who are listening, when we talk about data loss, we're talking specifically about the discrepancy that you'll see in one of these platforms, like the pixel data reported from TikTok or Meta versus the actual real world results that you see in your Shopify account. And so what we're talking about is this data loss that we experience between that discrepancy. And I like the use the use of the word triangle because it's really what you're doing is you're trying to triangulate on success by by not just the cold, hard conversion data, but by by using these other terms, you're, you're getting you know a canary in the coal mine. You're getting leading indicators on your success. Is, is that a, a, an effective way to think about it, Spencer?
4: 100%. Yeah, you got it. It's like ideally we have all these super low funnel metrics that is very accurate to all the campaigns. But we don't always have that because of the data loss. So we need to start looking a little bit higher at where we have more data. And then using that data that we can see, we can accurately – then share that information about what we see as, as being like those canaries in the coal mines, like you say, and then share it back to our creative team to hopefully just keep on progressively making our content better and better. And then that's when we can scale up more. We see more data come through just because we're, we're scaling up. And effectively it's, uh, it's, it's, so we've got Eden
3: from our creative team. And I don't know if there's a, a third member of the triangle posse here, you I don't know if you can talk a little bit about like what, you know, as someone who's kind of working with creators and actually producing the creatives that someone like Spencer runs, how are you optimizing the kinds of creatives that you run over time with someone like Spencer?
0: Yeah, so I think once we've got that data information back from Spencer, learning how each ad is performing, whether that be a specific content type, maybe it's a different angle. um, There's different variables we can kind of change and iterate um, and try to look for what might be the factor that's making us a success or maybe something we need to change. So I think on the top of my head, some variables that you could easily change um, without spending a lot of resources, time or money would be things like changing your background music. Maybe you're changing the voiceover of your video, the length of the video. Maybe you found that 15 seconds is kind of like that winning number, 23 seconds. Maybe your call-to-action placement, um, so some structural changes in the video, you could put the call-to-action at the end. Maybe you want to move that up in the video. Um, those would be just some easy things that I think are quick changes anybody could really try.
1: Another real quick hack there, you, you know, thumbnails are like the first two, three seconds. It's a really easy way to split test the same content, and, and you'll see drastic results from from switching thumbs or the, the first, you know, couple of seconds in that intro, so Take it home, put it in your pocket.
2: Another place you can take is like, even you work with a ton of creators, and I think data is good to help, like, react to content that's already performing, but I'm curious how you guys work with new creators and leverage existing data that you do have in platform to guide them through, like, creating a new piece of content. Like, what do you find is, like, a good mix of, like, too much versus too little information?
0: For sure. I think one of the things is not being afraid to kind of pivot your plans, So obviously in content planning and management, you're planning things out weeks or months ahead, but with that data, like you can't be scared to go reverse. Let's replan what we're doing given that information and given that data from somebody like your Facebook or your TikTok buyer. So yeah, I would say not being scared to scrap your plans and following the data and change going forward. And yeah, if you've hired talented creators those creators are the ones who are on your platform that you're advertising on every single day so i think a good amount of trust needs to be put in that creator um as well, and their knowledge of trends and kind of what's working and not working. But yeah, the data should really lead. So everything. back
3: to the triangle here, we've got watch time, CTR, and then conversion rate. So in the course of actually launching campaign, Spencer, I assume I guess you're looking at watch time first, then you're looking at click through rate, then you're looking at conversion rate. But can you speak a little bit more about how the three kind of play together? Because I know you can have lots of different shapes of triangles. So what kind of triangle are we talking about here? Is this a nice isosceles? What kind of triangle are we talking about here?
4: Yeah, I, I guess the, the triangle can go to some pretty wild directions, but it's more like a, a heat map of where the strength of that creative is laying. So we don't even particularly look at it like get the watch time first and the click-through rate. I mean, th- that is typically where uh, the data will like fall in, but it's way more so of like after an adequate amount of testing, to use like TikTok as an example, like we ha- we always have watch time, so it's always going to be video. We're then able to to see if the watch time is way too low, but then maybe the click-through rate and conversion rate's high. I mean, that's obviously fantastic when everything comes down to it. If the conversion rate's high, then you're doing something right. But then if, if watch time is low, you have to really reassess and be like, okay, are we scaring people off with it being way too branded? Is our hook really bad? Are we not attacking the, the right people with with the right value proposition necessarily? And a lot of that stuff on TikTok You don't wanna like lean too far away from it and be like totally unbranded because then the conversion rate's gonna come down because they're getting everything they want from that video. And then they're just continuing on. There's no call to action. There's no da-da-da. So if you have red flags like that in the triangle, it then allows you to then go to like the creator team and say, hey, our watch time is amazing. We have a little bit of flexibility to make it a little bit more branded or push a little bit more of the sales because we need to bring it a little bit more towards the middle. And we can play with that average watch time a bit more. Bring it from six seconds down to four seconds. Put in some... Called actions, right towards the beginning, of, make it known that it's a, for a product that we're uh, that we're selling, and that's a bit of the example of when you do have data back on that creative, then when you can look at it and go, are we hitting our targets? Which area of the triangle is the user, our potential customers? just dropping off and then it gives you like a plan and of attack. When we talk about data
3: loss, which of those, is it mainly the conversion metrics or the, is it also the click metrics that are even, and view time, like how, how where is the data loss felt most in the golden triangle?
4: Conversion rate, hundred percent. Yeah. And like, you can apply like, like conversion rate to, you know, if your objective is add to carts or, you know, it's just any kind of conversion, I suppose. So like you can look at it and uh, say, oh yeah, our conversion rate for actually getting people to add to cart. That's actually looking pretty healthy. And then it's just more metrics, I suppose. But then it comes to actually getting those those sales. If you are just starting out, you may not even get any data that comes back. Or on Facebook, it might just be modeled and it's, and it's just kind of projecting. So you do definitely have to look at uh, those first two parts of the triangle to then start pushing and getting that data back. I say that data back, the little amount of data that you can get back to uh, know that it's actually working.
1: Question for you guys. So we're leveraging creative in a in a way that we've and we've always made a lot, but we're testing more methodically because of this data loss, right? So we used to be able to throw in you know 50 ads on a test and uh, get our feedback from those tests kind of instantly, and we'd, we'd find a banger and scale it. How are we approaching? How are we leveraging creative now in terms of you know effort in on our buys? Because before it was about the data, it was about our our hacky campaign strategies, which you know we, we've created some more, and we definitely have some tactics. But how much more is creative in our in our buying strategies than it was, say, before iOS? It
4: almost does make you like lean further into the creative because uh, it can make like the biggest impact on the performance of your campaigns more than like a buying strategy would. Unlike before, like you're saying, you can just plunk in a whole bunch. It'd get the data back right away and you can just like run with whatever like you're getting 100 accuracy on the 50 creative that you just tested out now we kind of have to take a little bit of a step back give the creative a little bit more time to breathe and then in that time we can work with someone like eden and, and like the creative teams to actually produce a little bit more in intent driven creative uh that kind of like comes back to like the golden triangle of like we're needing to, to make something specifically to help out with this part of the triangle and then working with uh, the creators to yeah, supplement that, that negative space. Totally, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's incredible
1: actually how much we have shifted this year and leaning into the creative side of things. We've actually taken that to the point, and this is maybe something other people could, could do in their business too, but we've actually bridged our, our social teams to share creative learnings across platforms uh, but in addition, we actually brought our creator network and our in-house creators into the mix with those teams also, which you know really just goes back to like this feedback loop of information and what creative is moving the needle. Whereas before, it was largely driven by the buyer, buyers seeing the data, they're killing a bunch of stuff, you know, you put it into a queue. But we really identified that for businesses to succeed this year and, and you know next year, we're really leaning into this, and you need to have those people in the same room. Because if they're not all on the same page with the angles or the approaches or the content or what's working and what isn't, what's the view time? Your campaigns just aren't going to work. And so, you know, a strategy businesses
2: could, um, you
1: know, it's up to you, but could apply is 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 putting those people actually in in the same team.
2: I also think like the formula um, when in terms of content creation has changed, like the the creative strategy a little bit. When I rewind a few years and think about what what we were doing, I would imagine a lot of brands were doing it was a lot more i don't know like macro angle focus for lack of better words we were thinking about just general buckets that we could create content for and seeing what would stick whereas i feel like now with data laws it's forcing you to be a lot more tactical uh, about each individual piece of content that fits into those buckets that you're creating and like an, an easy example would be avery talked about this on a previous podcast but it's kind of like a modular approach to content creation so whatever the angle may be try and boil specifically video content down to, okay, what is my hook? How am I addressing the problem? How am I positioning the product? What are the benefits? What are their testimony? Like Whatever your formula is, you kind of have to like isolate individual variables and put like your marketing hat on and tweak and tweak and tweak and be mad scientists versus just like throwing an angle into Facebook and hoping that angle It's
3: sticks. part of the evolution of the creative form too, right? Where previously you were doing headline, body text, image, image carousel. Like there was all these individual elements that you were trying to optimize, it's become like this real combo of art and science where you have to have Eden on the creative side, like dealing with creators with these holistic creative pieces, not just individual ad techs, individual benefits. So I, th- I think that's, that's really interesting. Uh, we, we talked about integrating this stuff with, with our teams, Eden, from the creative side, what are some of the ways that you are taking this performance data to the creators and, and bring them closer to, to what's working?
0: Yeah, so I think to um, Erica Kyle's point, one of the things is to not be scared of bringing in your teams into one place. So before, um, you know, our media buyers might be just totally siloed from our creators, but really, if the data is what's driving our creative, then our creators need to know what that data is. So I think it's super important to get that data back to the creators um, in a meaningful way. One of the things we love to do is host kind of monthly content reviews where we'll dive into each piece of content, each data point um, from the video and kind of a more in-depth conversation with the creators, with the buyers, with the content manager or a strategist. Um, as well as, you know, daily or weekly um, conversations between us, because I mean, really, we're all online, we're all in Slack, um, and that kind of daily quicker communication can happen now more easily, and... Yeah, uh, on a kind of a separate note, I think finding trends and trusting your creators, just going back to that, um, they need that data, they need that information, but I still think it's really important to put the trust in them because they do understand what makes a good video, just inherently, just because they're on the platform every day, just because they are making this content, but coupled with the data, like you've got something really um, powerful there.
2: I also think don't be afraid to challenge your creators. Like you're sure. just to say what you're saying another way. If the creators know that, I don't know, a certain product's really popular, or maybe you're showing a product in a really popular way. Challenge them to think out of the box as an extension of your internal media buying and creative team. Like, how would think of three unique ways that you can do this as a creator in your own style? And like, I think you're going to come up with better results if you challenge them that way.
0: Yeah, I think it also always comes back to just not putting your creator in a box because they shouldn't be in a box and your best creatives aren't gonna happen from being inside a box. So definitely on that. I think um, one of the trends we're seeing right now which I think is an easy trend anybody could hop on to is the reply to comment videos. And I think one of the reasons why those are so powerful um, is just because you've got double the social proof. So you've got the person talking to the camera, giving their social proof. And then in the upper hand corner, they're replying to a comment of another user of that product. And we're definitely seeing those sorts of videos do really well right now is just kind of a side I love idea. It. We, here We
3: just reported uh, on one of our new winners. We're still on the, on the lead generation side, just crushing with like a huge amount of text over obscured images with benefits in the text. I don't know if text over images are, are still a big trend on your side as well, but it's crushing for us.
0: For sure.
1: I loved when, when, well, we'll call it Facebook because it was back then, but I love when Facebook got rid of that 20% rule, man. Yeah. That was amazing. Twenty
2: one percent text too much. Whacked. Like, and now it's like a trend to see like eighty percent text actually converts so much higher totally. so wild how it's flipped.
0: Yeah, I think those are great. We kind of deem those as text walls and you just read through the entire thing kind of encourages the watch time. because um, people have to get through that crap ton of text that's on the screen.
1: Put that hack in your other back
3: pocket, folks. Did you know that 71% of US consumers plan to shop online during the holiday months, or that 62% of them want to be reminded about your offers via email? To discover how shoppers plan to spend this holiday season, download WonderKind's 2022 Consumer Insights Report. It's full of vital data surrounding preferred shopping locations, communication channels, purchase influences, and more. Visit wonderkin.co/dtc to download the Consumer Insights Report now and find out how to reach your customers. That's wonder, Wunder, W-U-N-D-E-R, kind.co slash DTC to download today. So on this call, we've, we've got Spencer, uh, one of our lead buyers. We've got Eden on, on creative. What's the difference between the skills that go into each of these jobs and what makes a good media buyer versus a good creative or c- creator, Kyle? Oh,
1: that's a good question. Yeah. Um... This is yeah. I think this is good. You know, high level hiring thinking for people. In our interview process, we really try to understand like logic brain versus creative brain. They're very different things. Like me as an example, I'm hyper logical to a point that it annoys the staff. I think, but I'm also incredibly creative. But there's a there's a balance. Like if you're if you're hiring a, a media buyer, you need someone to think creatively about problem solving because your your whole job is solving problems, and it's. It's one of the most important jobs in direct response marketing because your whole business depends on, on these people. What we've found, though, is that not everyone is able to be creative and logical. And so if, if you're able to find someone to do that deduction very quickly and has a creative flair to it, whether or not they can actually paint pictures or not is a different story. Um, but you do need you do need that, not to use a buzzword, but like finding that person who can do both is, is a unicorn. And, and you should really hang on to those people and work to find those people. On the creative side, like it depends on your roles, right? So, in our case, we've got a media buyer connected to a content manager who works with the creative people. The content managers, for the most part, in our organization, are actual creatives. They come from studio backgrounds, you know, they're graphic designers historically, or you know, they manage uh, theater and museums and things like this, or art galleries rather. Those people need that creative thinking, but they. Also to move quickly need like the actual practitioners, the people actually making the creative and the videos. And I found going deeper into those cues too, it, it's almost like the content managers and our, and our creatives are actually bridging into like another group of people that are like actually coming up with ideas together and executing um, so that the, the buyers can really move quickly on, on the critical thinking decision-making um, requirement. So it's like, it's tricky to find one person who can do it all and honestly, if you can find, if you're building teams for media buying, if you're if you're doing whatever, actually break the roles up, because you need people to have creative space to solve the problems or create the creative. And ultimately, n- not everyone's into the data side, and ultimately, not everyone's capable of the creative side. So it's it's a balance. But I do recommend uh, breaking breaking those roles up uh, if you have you know a small team. Who in this enough. process
3: handles the funnel? Like who in this process actually handles the offers, the bundles? Cause I know we're, with a lot of clients we're our team is freestyling and kind of coming up with, with offers to test all the time. Who in our process handles that?
1: Well, it's a buyer content manager collaboration. And then there's a team of, I call them technicians that are actually building, building the funnels, but good question. Um, it's the content managers who are ultimately accountable to those funnels, but largely driven in collaboration with brand And, and it just uh, shows everyone's
3: kind of got to be a little bit of the other too. As a media buyer, you've got to be have a little bit of that flair for creative. And as a creative, you've got to be thinking about the data of the full funnel, the offers, the bundling. So you really want people kind of like in silos, but still holding hands.
1: Yeah, we, we, we say on the same skis. So if you can visualize this, teams going down, moguls together on the same skis, right? And it's kind of a, a balancing act. Clear roles is really important. Expectations around roles, all that stuff that everyone is doing in, in their businesses or, or can work towards—it's it's really powerful. Once you kind of look at your team members and see what they're strong at, and then push them into roles that make the most sense. Like we have buyers, they're like, "Oh, you know what? Like, I need some more creative time." Cam, you're a fucking great example, dude. Like, talk about your journey, your creative mind, and we keep kept sticking you into into logic buckets.
2: Uh, my recommendation is going to be creating environments where your creative thinkers and your like more data-driven, maybe logical thinkers have to solve each other's problems in, in together. Because for me, I come from a creative background, and uh, you guys basically forced me to be nearby, and it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. And I it was, you know, it was a crash course to learn how to do this. So as a result, I think I'm a better, well-rounded creative and marketer. So. That was my experience. So if you can find ways to put your designers, your strategists in the same room as your media buyers and force them to solve some of the same problems together, it's like it's, you're going to get great results. Yeah, and I think that like the
1: ultimate takeaway here, the thing that like has really moved the mountain for us is actually getting the creatives, like Eden was talking about, in the data because. If it's a one-way communication queue system, it's just not going to scale. It's not going to work because, again, back to this data loss, you need good creative fast. And the only way to do that is to empower teams with data. And the best way to do that is not send them a spreadsheet that they don't understand. It's It's to put them in the business manager, et cetera, and teach them how to read the data so that they can make informed decisions. I think
3: that's a great way to end it and teach them about the golden triangle definitely them with the gold might triangle. be soon updated to <laughs> the platinum triangle if it continues to crash the way it has um, we'll add one
4: extra little lump to the to the triangle triangle with a little all right system. well that's a weird way. <laughs> weird little left turn to end this on <laughs> sorry to end it there Thanks for right? coming
3: on the all killer no filler podcast today guys look forward to catching up again soon Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you're not getting the D2C newsletter, you can subscribe for free at directtoconsumer.co. And if you want to learn more about Pilot House's all killer, no filler services, take off to pilothouse.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C podcast. We'll see you next time.